Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. All right, let's go to Philippians 2, and we'll continue. Last week, we got through another whole verse. Yeah, hallelujah. Yeah, how many Wednesdays? How many Wednesdays do we have? Well, Jesus will return, and so... Yeah, we'll be midway through chapter 3, yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. So, no, I'm, you know, this is one thing about this, and it's something that I never appreciated before. Um, I never really appreciated verse-by-verse teaching, you know, and maybe, I don't know, I hope you do. I hope you're not suffering through it, but... um, but I realized, uh, when, like when I first got saved, um, you know, my favorite preacher was Jesse Duplantis, because I could laugh the whole time. You know, it wasn't always real deep, <laughs> but because but, he's an evangelist, you know, he gets people saved, and at that point, I didn't need deep. I needed, you know, I just needed to identify with somebody who came out or who the Lord had brought out of things that I was in, you know what I mean? Probably not to his level. You know, he, he used to say, he's, I remember him saying in his message, uh, when he got saved, the devil said, we lost a good man today. <laughs> he goes, I think I came up with stuff that the devil didn't even know was available. <clears throat> anyway, I hope I wasn't that bad. I don't know. <laughs> oh, anyway. But he made, you know, he made me laugh, and I could, he was in, he's engaged. I still watch him sometimes, you know. I don't watch him a lot, but, but I appreciate his ministry, and and what he's doing all over the world. But anyway, uh, I realized over time that I wasn't, I could, I needed to have uh, su- some real sustenance, you know what I mean? You, you got to have foundation in your life. Because what I realized is, as strong as I've gotten through the years, as the Lord's developed me in his word and things like that, there's never not a fight so it's not like, you know, I mean, there, are, there, there can be brief seasons where it feels like maybe a, not, a lot's going on, but honestly, the, the further we've gone in ministry, the more that the Lord's asked us to do, the more you give up of your life to serve Him, the devil hates you that much more. And so, um, you know, we've talked about this before, there's no reason to put a strong anointing on somebody who's just going to sit on the couch, watch TV, and eat potato chips. That's just not necessary. For what? You know what I mean? <laughs> there's, there's no purpose. Um, you know, you'll probably make heaven and you'll probably get there too soon if you just eat potato chips. But, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I need answers. And so my, and my motivation is for, to, to minister to people so that they have answers. But I need answers. Because there are things I just don't know. And, you know, sometimes, and answers can come through prayer, of course. I was talking to Jody before the service, and I was talking about some things that the Lord uh, started to show me in Philippians 3 and started to come out through some of the study in going ahead. I'm not going to get there today, of course, but, <laughs> but with, before Jesus returns, I'm sure we'll... <laughs> but anyway, I start, you, you, you start getting into the Word, and you start studying and looking, and I go... I, 
I learned something, or a, a truth started to break open to me today that I have never even heard taught. And it brought together other truths that I already had some understanding on. All of a sudden, it started making sense even greater. And what happens when that happens is you, you fortify your thinking and your life in a way that uh, the enemy can't build his strongholds in. You know, it's tough to put a lying stone in where there's already full living stones, truths from the Word of God. You know, if your real estate's full of God in your head, and you don't have signs up, you know, lot for rent or for sale, then it's tough for him to move in. And, and I, I've said this for, for years, when I used to take care of my own lawn, <laughs> When I had a yard, the best weed protection is a thick lawn. I had neighbors that had dandelion lawns. And my yard's there too, but I had so much grass in my yard. And it was so thick and well watered that the dandelions were like, eh, the next neighbor over's lazier, let's go there. And that's how it is spiritually. The enemy goes around going, ah, ugh. Boy, that's a big field of truth. And they'll bounce along. Well, this person, eh, they're kind of lazy about it. And he'll begin to seed. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't try to seed in our, in our lives, because he does, even if we're at, going after the Lord, but we make it real tough on him. How many want to make it real tough on him? I do. I want to make it real tough on him. Uh, I want to hurt him so bad I can feel it. Does that make sense? So in order for me to do that, though, I can't punch him with my fists. I don't want to beat the air, like Paul says. i got to go back to the truth and take the sword of the Spirit after him. Although I wish I could punch him with my fists sometimes. But that's just soul fighting. That's natural emotion, flesh fighting. It's not spirit. Spirit is different. It's separate. And, so, uh, and it functions differently. So that's why this, these truths are so important, even if it does take us a little while so, to get through it. But that's all right. So last week we looked at verse, uh, we got through verse 22. Um, and we saw in greater detail why Paul wanted to send Timothy to the, church, to the church at Philippi. Timothy was a man tested by circumstances over and over again in serving with Paul in the ministry, and he proved time and time again that he would yield to and seek the things which are of Christ, which are of Christ Jesus, and put aside the things that were his desires. And I'm going to read this to you again in Philippians 2.22, but it says, but you know his proven character. This is Paul telling the Philippians about Timothy. He said, you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Timothy learned to faithfully not seek his own. How did he do that? The answer is found in the statement, he served with me, Paul said this, in the gospel. Disciples of the Lord remain healthy internally and in relationship with each other when they keep their focus on the gospel. This is the one way, and because we, we were, we're talking about offense in that book, The Bait of Satan, this is the one way, one, one of the main ways to live unoffended. Um, you know, we're, we have the potential of being offended, but we can actually live unoffended. 
and you say, what do, you, what do, we, what do we do? We don't, uh, as Rick says, we don't play with the trip stick. We don't play and, and fiddle around the bait on the trap. And so uh, love takes no account of a wrong suffered, right? How many are walking perfectly in that with me? <laughs> I mean, I never make a mistake. <laughs> no, you, how many have been tempted in that through your life maybe once or twice? <laughs> how many have been tempted in church? Okay. I'd raise the other one, but I'd fall over. My point is, is that the, the temptation's not going to go away, but that's not what we're looking for. What we're looking for is our maturity to increase above the temptation, okay? So we talked about this before. It's not that I need to get out of the circumstance. It's that I need to release who's in me in the circumstance because pressure comes to us all. The trials of life come to us all. So to get victory, a lot of times, and people will take a spiritual truth and they'll apply natural thinking to it. Because there are natural circumstances the Lord will deliver us out of. But there are other circumstances that we think, this is the devil, it's the devil's fault. And Paul actually prayed three times in a situation like that. And it legitimately was a messenger of Satan. And the Lord said, no, you can stay there. How many have had the Lord tell you that? Then you stay. How do I know that, I, that I've come through, that I've overcome? Because you'll consistently get victory and keep joy in the midst of the circumstance. That's how you know. Now, I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about sickness and disease. I'm not talking about things that clearly the Lord has redeemed us from, okay, in that sense. I, the Lord does not bring sickness to you to, to, and drag you out. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying by that? I'm not saying that, because, and I believe I can prove that. But I will say this. I'm talking about circumstances, and this is not politically correct, but when I was in Bible college, specifically with Paul, uh, our New Testament survey teacher, he said Paul's thorn in the flesh was the Jewish hit squad. I know that's not politically correct. You can't say Jewish. <laughs> you know, you can't say this. You can't say that. All right. Pretty soon they'll say you can't say Jesus. And I'll still be saying it. All right, so. What happened with Paul was the religious zealots were so passionate to shut him up that they actually spent their own money and whatever offerings they were getting from their churches, quote-unquote churches, to, to send people to follow Paul around and go behind him wherever he preached and try and mess up and bring extras to what he taught. How many know that's some zeal? I mean, you got to have some, but that still goes on today. Nothing new under the sun. So his thought, but in the midst of that, what took place? What did, what did Paul find out? He, the Lord told him what? My grace is what? That means it's more than enough. So Paul actually came to the conclusion, I'm going to rejoice in my weakness so that the power of Christ might be perfected in me. Now that is not the way a natural thinking Christian likes to think or the direction that they want to be taken. 
You know, you may be praying, there might be uh, people that praying in the Spirit and they hear, you know, the Lord say to them, my grace is sufficient. And they think, oh, no, no, that's not what you said, Lord. I shall know the truth and the truth shall set me free. I shall know the truth and the truth shall set me free. <laughs> in other words, get me out of this, Lord. Maybe you need to grow spiritually and there's something in here that needs to get out. You can actually grow to the point where you can be happy and have joy around people who hate you. Do you think Jesus was depressed? Did he have a lot of people against him? Oh, yeah. He did. And Paul was actually head. I think he was actually headed down that path to where, I don't know what I'm going to do. And as he was seeking God, the Lord said, look to the inside. And he got even greater revelation of the reality of Christ within to share with us. We can look to the inside, amen? We always, there's, there's no point in making the outside the bigger deal. We got to, that's what I was trying to say during the worship transition, but even with the song we sang last, we need to magnify him. Lord, you're greater. We're coming out. We have, we have eternal security in you. We are in such a good place in you that there's nothing in this life anyway that's worth preserving at the expense of that. There isn't. There's nothing here. Um, Paul had the revelation, and I won't get into it, but he, he talks about, you know, all that other stuff was dung. Refuse. And so... We need to realize that, that the most important thing going on in our worlds, whether it be with your marriage, with your kids, with your businesses, with your, the life that you're living, the most important thing is Christ and Him being magnified and glorified in our lives. Our circumstances, well, you know, people say, do you know how bad it is? Just go through Dairy Queen and get some ice cream. And laugh. <laughs> you think I'm joking and I'm not. Now, you don't want to go when they're cleaning the chocolate thing. The chocolate soft serve. Because then you have to get vanilla dipped in chocolate and that's not as good. As the twist cone dipped in chocolate. That's better. Hey. <laughs> Blizzards are usually going. They usually always have those going. But I went through the other day, and I was like, well, I can suffer for Jesus <laughs> with a vanilla cone dipped in chocolate. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is, is that, okay, let's say you are in a tough situation. Don't let it get you heavy. Even if you feel it, don't let it get you, don't let it possess your mind in it. Does that make sense? Laugh. People say, well, yeah, I just don't really have anything to laugh. Watch a comedian. Yeah, watch Tim Hawkins. You know, I don't, watch the Three Stooges. I'd get groans and yes on that one. <laughs> yeah. I, I was raised on the Three Stooges, so my dad warped me long ago. All right, so... <laughs> it's done. It's over. Um, but what, do something to get you out of that frame of mind 
even if it's natural, just so you can, because you don't, here's the thing. I don't even know why I'm on this, but I need to be for just a second. You, you can't let that sit there, and nobody can live in your mind for you. You have to possess your mind by the power of the resurrection. Now, listen to me. I'm not telling you you have to be the power, but you do have to be the decision to cooperate with the power. God is not going to possess your will and make you do what you're supposed to do. He'll provide the power. He'll provide the promise. He'll provide everything you need to make a decision to cooperate with Him. But I have to decide to cooperate with Him. And, and listen, guys, I know. I've, I've been there many times. It is hard. But it's not impossible. Even if you're pressed to the point of, you know, feeling crushed. You know what I mean? We talked about this a couple Sundays ago. Even if you're hard-pressed to the point of being crushed. Well, none of it makes sense. Well, don't just focus on it not making sense. Focus on the one who can give you the light and the proper anointed sense that you need to use, to borrow that term. Does that make sense? Okay, so, because you, if you don't, uh, you know... Those are the spiritual laws that are in place. It's just that way. Amen? Okay. All right. All right. Let's go to verse 23. And we'll get through one more verse. (laughs) Paul says this, Therefore I hope to send him, talking about Timothy, at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. So this is, a, this is an interesting statement here, and if you're taking notes, I'm going to focus on the por- portion of this verse that says, as soon as I see how it goes with me. Now, there are some theologians that believe Paul was kind of being selfish, but I don't necessarily agree with them. And if you look at uh, how this is structured in the Greek originally, you'll see this. But what Paul is actually saying um, is it's like an, what they call an English idiom. It actually is the statement, when I see my way clear. Or, how many have ever heard this? When the dust settles. Have you ever heard that before? So that's what Paul's saying here. He said, look, I'm hoping to send Timothy to you, but I need the dust to settle first. So that I can see what God wants me to do. Have you ever been seeking God, but you don't see it yet? You're not sure what to do yet? So here we see, what we see in Paul is we see Paul is a faith man, so he's trusting that the Lord is working on his behalf, but we also see here that Paul functioned logically within this world system and understood some of the constraints of this life and circumstances. Do you know Paul says more than once, I know once for sure, but I'm pretty sure it's more than once, you can search me out and find out, but uh, he says, he, he makes this statement, I wanted to do this But Satan, what? Hindered me. So what we see here is Paul is saying, I want to do certain things. I have a desire in my heart to do certain things. I feel like this is what the Lord is telling me to do, but I need the dust to settle first. Because I don't want to jump out and find out, oh, no, that wasn't it. Does that make sense? 
So that's what he's saying here. He's saying, I want to I wait. So knowing what God wants you to do is important. But it's just as important to know the timing. Amen? And usually, Brother Hagin said this to us all the time, usually timing is the harder of the two to figure out. He said, oftentimes, I've known what to do, but when? Have you ever, uh, you know, had something really, you know, pressing on you, or you had a conversation you needed to have with somebody, and you, you thought, man, I know what to say. And then you go and do it, and it didn't work out like you thought it would? Wrong time, you know? And if we listen to the Holy Spirit within us, if we wait till the what? Dust and then you'll see. Well, I'm tired of waiting. <laughs> yeah, I've done that too, but have you ever run through dust? You can find a wall that you didn't know was there. <laughs> you know, people say, well, I learned my lesson. Well, that's one way to learn. <laughs> you know, if you have a younger sibling, you could say, you run first. <laughs> I was the only one that had a younger sibling. Okay, so... <laughs> So he's waiting on the leading of the Lord in this, when I see my way clear. So he says here, I, I, therefore I hope to send him at once as soon as I see how it goes with me or when I see my way clear or when the dust settles. All right, verse 24, but I trust in the Lord that I myself also shall come shortly. The Amplified says, but really I am confident and fully trusting in the Lord that shortly I myself shall come to you. Also, one commentary puts it this way. In this verse, we see the other side of the coin. While he was not positive what would happen in the future, Paul had placed his confidence where? In the Lord, who is omniscient or all-knowing, all-powerful. The idea expressed would mean, uh, would mean when saying, I trust I will be able to do so-and-so. That's what he's saying. I trust, I have this desire in my heart, I need the dust to settle, but I trust I'll be able to come also when Timothy comes. And that's what he's believing for. Uh, it indicates a goal orientation which is, in, which is essential if a person ever is to accomplish anything. Uh, at Rhema, they used to say this to us, you, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. You've got to have a goal. Right? You got to have an aim. You got to have something out in front of you that says, okay, this is what we're after. Even if you don't see everything yet because it's still dusty, you need a goal. Amen? Uh, they used to say, this is just leadership stuff that we got through the years, but I'd rather aim, shoot for the moon and land among the stars than shoot for nothing and hit it every time. Okay, now that takes faith because anybody that has a goal, you know, and you're goal oriented or you've set goals and you're going after these things. How many have had obstacles along the way in the natural or in the spiritual? It doesn't make any difference. You're always going to have an obstacle. But if you look at the obstacle from the standpoint of defeat, you won't see the benefit of the obstacle because what, with, what happens with the obstacle is this. It proves if you do it right through faith, it helps you. Pull out the graces within you to overcome. Well, I just don't want, I don't like the difficulty of the situation. Then focus on the one who can get you through it, and then the difficulty won't appear, won't appear as bigger than your God. 
Amen. Remember what Jesus, he said, speak to the mountain, right? He didn't say, talk to me about the mountain. Tell me how big the mountain is. Keep telling me. That's not in there. You're to speak to it. From where? The resource of the word and the resource of the spirit within. And in that, you have goal orientation for your life. So if you're struggling with your love walk, you need to put the love scriptures in front of you consistently in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, and consistently take that as your aim, your goal, and don't quit. Don't give up. Well, I don't see how it's all going to work out. (laughs) I'm with you. But the Lord said it's going to work out. So it's going to be fun to watch. So get your lawn chair. (laughs) Right? Relax a little bit and go, okay, Lord, how are we going to do this? He said, just let the dust settle. I'll show you. Amen. Paul was a a goal-oriented person. He normally made careful plans relative to what he wanted to do next. But at the same time, he allowed for God to change his plans if he so desired. Today, we make statements like this. It seems like we might do this next year. Or I plan on taking a vacation to this place in the summer. These are not for sure statements. We are planning and waiting on the Lord to confirm What is of him and what is of us as we walk daily in the spirit. We can make plans, but that doesn't mean they're all going to happen. Come on, James talked about this. Right? You got to be careful. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to buy. I'm going to sell. But how do you know you are? Well, I'm a faith person. I can just do it. You got to be careful with that. I'm not saying we can't declare the promises of God. That's not what I'm saying. But you can't separate the declaration of the promises of God from the leading of the Holy Spirit. You need both. How many times did David wait on the Lord before he went to battle? Every time. Even if the battle looked exactly the same as before, he waited on the Lord. He waited for the Lord to speak, and then he did what he was supposed to. Do you know what my my natural tendency is? Lord, I've seen this before. I know what this is. And the Lord's saying, hmm, dust hasn't settled. Gabriel, watch. He's going to run into the wall. And even while you're running, the Lord's saying, wall, 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 wall. <laughs> then you hit it. You're like, Lord, why didn't you tell me about that wall? <laughs> no, that's <laughs> like it's his fault. <laughs> right? It is not God's fault. It is Sean's fault. Guys, listen. I want you to hear this. If you give me a prophetic word and it's wrong and I follow it, it's my fault. Listen to me, it's my fault. Now, when everybody says amen and agrees with me, I'll get off this point. It's my fault. Thank you. Now that truth applies to you too. 
Well, they gave me a prophetic word. I don't care. We're to judge them. You know how many prophetic words I've had over my life? And a bunch of them are... That's not tongues. (laughs) There's no interpretation for that. (laughs) All right. But there's a, but now I'm not saying that's all bad because I don't despise the ones that are good. Boy, howdy, they are good. They are good. And I have them. And I, they, they bear witness. Amen? So I'm not saying I don't take prophetic words. So if you have one, you know, you can bring it to me. Doesn't mean I'm going to accept it, but go ahead. It'll be good for us all. All right, so... Verse 25, yet I consider it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and one who ministered to my need. So who is this? This is Epaphroditus. So what actually Paul has gone through is he shared about how Jesus served, he shared about how he served, he shared about how Timothy served, and he's sharing now how Epaphroditus served. And the common denominator in all of them through Philippians chapter 2 is this, they all served at the expense of themselves. They considered others above themselves, okay? And so... Uh, This is an example that Paul is giving. Basically, what he's saying is to the Philippians, you guys, these are great men that have served like they're supposed to. You do the same. He's laying out an expectation for the Philippian church to say, hey, serve one another this way. Paul is not writing this letter to have them all come to where he is and serve him. It's not self-serving that he's sharing. What he's sharing is, is the nature of Christ is within you, so now you go serve your brothers and sisters in Christ, just like your, these ministers have served not only me, but you as well. And Epaphroditus served on both sides. So he served Paul and he served the Philippian church because he was sent from there. So Paul calls him a brother, which of course we know that's a community based on identity or origin of life. It's a brother in Christ. It's somebody who's born again. He calls him a worker, which is a laborer, someone who works with, okay? Work is not a cuss word in the grace message. All right, so he calls him a soldier, and I, I like this. It means a co-campaigner. It means an associate in Christian toil. I like this definition the best. A warrior who camps with. Have you ever heard somebody say they're in the same camp? We're in the same camp. It's a warrior that camps with. Now that's not a denomination. Because Paul was not like, he's a Lutheran like I am. <laughs> but we've, we've, Christianity has that today. You know what I mean? We're not in the same camp because we have the same uh, denominational tag. We're in the same camp because we have Christ. Amen. And so he's a warrior who camps with. So he says this. He says, I I consider it necessary to send you Epaphroditus. Bob Yandian said this. Paul considers Epaphroditus very important to the ministry and gives him one of the highest compliments as a member of the team by calling him a fellow worker and a fellow soldier. These two stood side by side during Paul's toughest assignments and hardships. Together they weathered the attacks of religious leaders and saw difficult churches established in many Gentile cities. Notice it wasn't just smooth sailing. He, calls, he also refers to, uh, to Epaphroditus as, as the church at Philippi's messenger. A messenger is an apostle. That's what it is. 
An apostle is not only one who establishes churches, but also one who is sent on a mission either by an individual or by a group of people. So how many have ever heard of Smith Wigglesworth? Right? Okay. I, I show my kid, my son, his name, and my son laughs at his last name every time because it's Wigglesworth, <laughs> which is a funny last name if you think about it. But he was called the apostle of what? Faith. Why? Because he went and preached faith. He was sent to preach faith. To Paul, Epaphroditus is a fellow soldier, but the, to the Philippians, he was their apostle. He was sent by the Philippians to take an offering to Paul and to report on the condition of the church at Philippi. The good report refreshed Paul greatly while he was in prison. How many like to hear that your brothers and sisters in Christ are doing good? Here Paul assures the Philippian believers that Epaphroditus ministered to his needs like Timothy. Epaphroditus did not think of himself only, but also saw the needs of Paul when they were traveling and working together. Epaphroditus was a faithful disciple soldier, a person who was active in combat for the kingdom and of, of heaven against the enemy. Epaphroditus was called the Philippians' messenger, which literally meant, this is another commentary, apostle. The original word speaks of an envoy or an ambassador of the congregation. One sent as a duly deputized representative of another. As seen in the Hebrew, it's shaliak, and I don't, if, I don't know if that's the proper pronunciation, but it's S-H-A-L-I-A-C-H. I'm just making up the pronunciation. As such, he performed all the duties for Paul. They, the Philippian church, would have done themselves had Paul been present in Philippi. So they sent him to bring him money and to serve him. What if we did that with you? We call you up and say, you know, uh, Mark, you're headed out. You're our apostle. Here's the offering. Now, think about this. This wasn't like Mark, you know, driving his nice Ford truck. This is rough. This takes faith, right? I mean, driving your truck takes faith today too. But <laughs> chances of Mark being robbed on the side of the road in his F-150 are slim. Chances of Epaphroditus being robbed on the way are much greater. Right? Right? I mean, Mark can run over the thieves, right? He doesn't have to stop. It's a little tougher when you're on foot. Do you see what I'm saying? Not to mention, how many know Mark's not getting mauled by a bear in his F-150? It's a little different when you don't have the double tree to stay at or the La Quinta or wherever you stay. Do you see what I'm saying? So they sent him. It would be like us going, okay, you're now a missionary for the church. You're now a sent one. Here's the provisions you need for your trip to get to Paul. Here's the offering for him because he can't make money because he's in jail and he needs money. Here's some extra clothing and things like that. Now you go take care of Paul. And you're doing it on our behalf, so do a good job because we don't want to look bad. That's an ambassador. That's a sent one, right? Oh, maybe I'm thinking about doing it. Pray about it, Mark. <laughs> okay. <laughs> In regard to Paul, Epaphroditus was a liturgos. Liturgos? L-E-I-T-O-U-R-G-O-S. 
one who rendered a sacrificial service by taking care of Paul's needs. So that's what he did. Verse 26, let's go there. Since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. So um, part of this, and this is kind of interesting, I don't want to get into the great detail in it, but actually uh, Epaphroditus was homesick. Now he was physically sick too, but the the idea of him... uh, uh, being longing for them, that word actually has, carries the idea of being homesick. Have you ever been somewhere and you're like, man, i got to get home? And really the reason why Epaphroditus was, and they bring this out because we know Epaphroditus was this way, is he longed to be with them so he could minister to them. That's what's brought out in the Greek. Isn't that interesting? Not like, I just want to get home to my own bed. He wants to get home. Why? Because he knows he has something by the Spirit of God as a minister to share with his brothers and sisters in Christ to be able to build them up. Boy, that's a whole separate thought than what most of natural thinking Christians have. I'm going to church. Why? I need something. Now, you can almost feel it when you say that. Like, well, I thought the church was here for me. And there is a truth there. But there's too much emphasis on it in the current church. When you fellowship with the Lord, I'm telling you, if you do this right with the Lord and you stay consistent with Him, you'll get to the place where your intimacy with Him satisfies everything. Come on, who can testify? To where you're so full, you walk in the door and you go, who is it, Lord, that you want me to help? You'll go to the grocery store that way. You'll go to work that way. You're like a bloodhound. Where are they? Let's find them. I know there's a devil we can beat on today. And I'm not talking about people. Amen? Because you'll get that way. You, oh, I want to do this. So what actually took place here, and uh, I'm gonna, let's skip down to verse 27. It says this, for indeed, Paul says this, for indeed he was sick. And some people actually think, they don't know this for sure, but they think he might have caught what they called Roman fever, which was something that was deadly, could be potentially deadly to the people who were not acclimated to that environment there. So we know Epaphroditus came from another place. He came from Philippi. So, and Paul was in Rome. So when he got there, how many know there's different diseases in different places? Okay. So you're, the people aren't, you're not acclimated to that place. Your body will adjust wherever it's at. Uh, and it'll learn to fight things off. How many have realized that? Okay, And so he, they think maybe he caught Roman fever is what they think. Now that's not thus saith the Lord. Okay, I don't have any real proof of that other than that was maybe a common disease in that time according to historians. But he did get sick. And so what do we see here? He said, for indeed he was sick almost unto what? He got close. That's pretty sick, isn't it? You know, it's not like he had to stay in bed a couple days. He almost died, right? 
That's what he's saying. But then he says this, but God had mercy on him. How many are thankful for healing mercies? And not only on him also, but on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. So uh, Bobby Andean put it this way. Paul lets the Philippians know how sick Epaphroditus really was. He was almost dead before the Lord healed him and raised him back to health. Glory to God. Thank God he healed him. This was done not only for his own sake, but also for Paul's. So, so what we see here is what? We see the Lord saying, oh, look at the desire of Paul, and look at the desire of Epaphroditus, and oh, look at the desire of the Philippians. And he came in with what? Healing mercies and healed Epaphroditus when he was at the point of what? Death. God did not want to see sorrow added to sorrow in Paul's life. Being in prison was hardship enough without having Epaphroditus die also. We are not told why Epaphroditus was sick, but it may have been his own fault. You've got to love this. This is where commentaries come in. You go, people, people will hear this, and this is one of the things, you, you're going to benefit yourself spiritually in spiritual growth so much if you do this one thing. Realize that you could miss it. Okay, let's just do this. Go ahead and point at yourself and say this with me. Say, I could miss it. Yeah. If we get that in our thinking, we'll help ourselves because we could. How many know the Lord's not, not looking for us to miss it? It's not, he's not in heaven going, I hope they miss it. He's, he's going, man, I hope they get their head right here in their thinking toward me so that I can help them. Amen? So, it might have been his own fault. He may have worked hard or even desired to go on to be with the Lord. How many have know that's a reality? People do get tired and they want to go home to be with the Lord, and that's okay. They can. However, God intervened and raised him up to continue to minister beside Paul. This was a healing mercy. In this miracle of healing, the Lord showed mercy not only to Epaphroditus, but also to Paul. So this healing was not based on Epaphroditus' faith, but rather on God's compassion. You see that? Not based on Epaphroditus' faith, it's based on God's compassion. How many know this? You can read in the New Testament in the Gospels where Jesus was moved with what? Compassion, and he healed them. It had nothing to do with those people's faith. He just walked in and went, poof. How many would like to see that? We're candidates, Lord. All right. Verse 29. Is that where we're at? Verse 28. Therefore I send him the more eagerly that when you see him again, you may rejoice and I may be less sorrowful. That's pretty clear what that is. Verse 29. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and what? Hold such men in esteem. Why hold him in esteem? Verse 30, because for the work of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his what? To supply what was lacking in your service toward me. So what are you supposed to do with people that serve? So I'm going to throw this in for our church. Put your, put your seatbelt on. If we're to hold these men in esteem, which means, and women, which means to hold dear, honorable, precious, or valued, that serve and give up their time, right? 
So people give up their time to serve the body of Christ should be what? Esteemed. Many times people in congregations will honor the pastors only. That's true, right? Yep, they will. But here we see Paul by the Holy Spirit encouraging us to esteem and value all those who serve in the body of Christ. So I have a challenge for Faith Family Church. I'll ask you a question. When was the last time you esteemed those serving in faith kids? Little faith kids, youth, greeters, ushers, men's, and women's ministries. I encourage you to thank them and hold them as prized and valued because of the work they are doing. Pray about and consider blessing them with your words and gifts. So if you're a parent in here and you have kids and faith kids, maybe that one week you go through the drive-thru as you're getting your coffee and you buy a what? Gift card for what? Coffee for the person that's watching your kid. Right? Amen? Or the ushers or the greet or whoever. Whoever you see serving, they're not there for their, you know. You know, it's not like the, the children's ministry is like a highly glorified position. I mean, for those who love it, it is. But I'll be, I'll be, I mean, it is a glorified position in the spirit. But I just want to challenge you. Esteem them. Amen? So I'm, I'm blessed as a pastor. You guys have blessed me many times. And I'm very grateful. Very grateful. Heidi and I both. But think about others in this church that are serving. Because how many know this? That it's not me and Heidi doing everything. Not even close. I could tell you of many situations in here with different ones that have done things that you guys do not know about, and it costs the leaders, and it costs those who serve. It takes their time. It takes energy, and they need to be esteemed and blessed for that. Amen? And not just by me, but by everybody that they're serving. Amen? Aren't you grateful for that? You can say it with me, challenge accepted. (laughs) All right. So verse 30, and this will be it here. See, I got through quite a few verses here. I am running hard today. All right, I'm only eight minutes over, in case you're wondering. In case you're wondering. Did you say I was the flash? Oh, you could, yeah. Oh, praise God. All right, so this last verse says this. Because for the work of Christ, he came close to death, not regarding his life. Now, Paul did say to esteem him, but I want you to see this phrase. The phrase here, um, as far as not esteeming his life, uh, it actually means not regarding. And this is, this is what it is. It was, it, was, it was a Greek word used of a fighter going into the ring and gambling with his own life. So it's actually really not a full compliment here, even though there is a compliment here, okay? This is what Epaphroditus had done. He was putting so much effort into the ministry, he had not taken care of his body, okay? Now, most of the time, we don't have this problem today. Most of the time, we have the other problem. I said, most of the time, we have the other problem. (laughs) See, around here, we don't raise softies, right? We're spiritually stout. 
Why? Because we know who our enemy is, and we know what we have to accomplish. And it's not for the weak, amen? Or those who want to remain weak, because anybody can be strong in Christ. He was putting so much effort into the ministry, he had not taken care of his own body. He had reached the point of burning out for the Lord's work. Fortunately, God had compassion on his lack of wisdom and healed him. Praise the Lord. Epaphroditus had not paid attention to Paul's sermon to the Ephesian pastors that we see in Acts 20, uh, verse 28, where Paul said, take heed to yourselves and to the flock. That's Acts 20, verse 28. He said, take heed to who? To the pastors. He said, take heed to yourself and to the flock. So both, right? It sounds like another verse we've looked at in, Acts, or in Philippians 1. No minister is to run themselves into the ground and work so hard they end up dying early. This is not the will of God. So, a summary of Philippians chapter 2. Jesus was a servant. He gave us an amazing lesson in humility when he stepped down from the high rank, his high rank as deity, to serve and to lay down his life for mankind. His life establishes the pattern for God's promotion. Humble yourself to obey the will of God. Be willing, if necessary, to suffer for righteousness' sake, and God will exalt you. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time, according to 1 Peter 5, 6. When we are born again, we receive a new nature with the ability to love and serve like the Lord Jesus. However, it is left up to each of us individually to bring out that salvation and to show it before the world. If we truly follow Christ's example, we will serve others without grumbling or criticism, motivated by love. If we joyfully share the Lord's humility and service, gladly giving our lives daily for those around us, we are sure to bring many to heaven with us and to receive our full reward. And that is Philippians chapter 2. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.